You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hello, Art History Babes. Have another spooky season reboot for you. This episode is from last year's Spooky Corner series. If you weren't around for it, I was joined by my friend and now the co-host to my other podcast, Brian Muldoon, for four episodes. Each episode, we examined a different spooky creature from an art historical and a contemporary film and literature perspective. This episode was recorded live from Salem, Massachusetts. If you haven't seen it, we have a vlog from that trip on the Art History Babes YouTube channel. So if you enjoy this, you might want to check out the podcast Brian and I now have together called Happy Harvest Horror Show. It's available pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, and there's a link in the show notes for you. Hope you enjoy this episode, originally released October 21st, 2019, all about doppelgangers. Ooh. to the podcast. I'm Corey, and I'm joined here in real life, right next to me, by, you know him, you love him, Spooky Brian will do. He's back. He's back again. Revenge of Spooky Brian. Spooky <laughs> Brian 3. Spooky Brian Returns. <laughs> We're coming at you live from Salem, Massachusetts, talking about some spooky stuff today. Yeah, technically... Technically, right now we're in Ipswich, Massachusetts, which is outside Salem, Massachusetts, but we found a really good deal on an Airbnb, and I almost feel like the Airbnb has been one of the spookiest parts of this trip so far. It has been uh, not okay. It uh, features a old little bed that I sleep on that I have coined a little Willem's bed for the ghost boy Willem that used to live here. Yeah, the spirit of Willem remain. Uh, there are literal hand sculptures on the wall. Like creepy hand sculptures, like like ancient hand sculptures. Not okay, not okay. And at night, there are exit signs throughout, like you would see in a gymnasium, the red exit signs that light the place red. Yeah, like the it's it's really big. It's a really big place, and yeah, the walls are all white. So so there's this red light that emanates all night. Also, when we first when we first drove in, it's right by this huge, beautiful bog, and it's been like really rainy, and there was just this single wooden chair looking out towards the bog, as though. As though it was like a chair for a, a spirit or an entity of yeah. some sort. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we survived the first night, so I think we're okay. But our current situation is is sufficiently spooky. Yep. And to set the scene even a little bit more, we were having issues with 
the microphone and like connecting it to Audacity. So we've created a little cozy nook in the corner to uh, try and try and get you the uh, best quality audio we possibly can. So who knows? There might be some ghosts getting in the audio. Some EMP. Some oh. some. So what do they call it? The the. Isn't it EMP? Yeah, I think so. The, I the, think so. The, the white noise that... Yeah, because you can like measure the the noise, the audio of ghosts. I've seen Paranormal State. Yeah. I know how that works. I saw Ghost Hunters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, ghosts. Those ghost bros. <laughs> so yeah, if there are any ghosts and they'd like to hop on this recording, go for it, guys. What are we talking about today, Brian? We're talking about doppelgangers. Uh, doppelgangers! The spooky double. The um, the evil twin, if you will. Right. Evil twin that is not your actual twin. I have a friend that made a comment to me saying, I got a twin. Not too scary. It's not the same thing. It's not. Yeah, you weren't born with this twin. You didn't grow up with this twin. <laughs> Because that would make it familiar. The doppelganger is the unfamiliar mm. meets the familiar. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to start with the ancient roots of the doppelganger. The doppelganger is essentially, in its purest form, a spirit double, mm-hmm. kind of an alter ego. And the word doppelganger is actually a German word, meaning double goer or double walker. Mm-hmm. So once again, not your actual twin. This is something a lot spookier. Mm-hmm. And the term doppelganger is relatively new. It was coined by a German author uh, in the 18th century. But the idea of the double and the spooky twin has been around for much longer than the actual term has. Yes, exactly. So a doppelganger... Yes, it's an entity that looks like you. It's your doppelganger. That's kind of how the word, like what the word has come to mean. But it is typically an apparition. So it casts no shadow. It is ghostly in that sense. Mm -hmm. But it's a double of a living person. And so you can see your own doppelganger. You can also see other people's doppelgangers. Mm -hmm. People you know, people you love. And often, throughout history anyways, these entities are considered omens of bad luck or possibly impending death. So shout yeah. out back to the Banshee. Yeah, little harbingers. Yeah, little little harbingers of bad news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this has um, kind of developed, I think, over time into the evil twin concept, which is sometimes depicted more as like a living, breathing evil twin that's mm-hmm also just an evil entity so like an actual you know blood and guts evil twin not necessarily a ghost but is still an evil person evil entity evil twin yeah there's it's always been associated with not chill stuff you know yeah 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 going back to another episode the wendigo like the, the banshees they're always just get bringing the news the doppelganger seems to have also nefarious goals in mm-hmm. mind yeah The evil twin concept, typically the evil twin is going to give you malicious advice, maybe plant sinister thoughts, or cause you some type of confusion. So the thing is, you're not supposed to talk to him. Don't don't hang out with your doppelganger. Just don't do it. Stay away. Stay away. Some early references, like early incarnations of the doppelganger. I want to give a quick shout out to ancientorigins.net because I found a lot of really great information 
on uh, this post they did about doppelgangers. And I really appreciate it because, as I'm sure a lot of you have noticed or remember, there has been a popular upswing in people finding their art museum doppelgangers. That's been like a fun thing. I know a lot of famous people even, like there's one of uh, Weird Al. Weird Al found his art museum doppelganger. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's finding an image in an art museum that looks like you and taking a selfie with it. So when I tried to research doppelgangers in art history, I just got pages and pages and pages of these art museum doppelgangers, which are, don't get me wrong, very fun. Very fun. Very fun. But I, I wanted actual depictions of doppelgangers in art. And this post from ancientorigins.net helped me out. So, uh, you know, check that out if you want to go a little more in depth. So the earliest references of a concept that can be related to the doppelganger goes back to the Zervite branch of Zorianastrianism. And in Zorianastrianism, there is basically an abstract duality just of the belief system. Like the belief system's kind of built on an abstract duality that is often represented by twins. These twins are Ahura Mazda and Angra Manu. And Ahura Mazda is good. Angra Manu is evil. And this is a concept we see in so many religions, so many spiritual beliefs. You have the balance of good and evil, right? Mm -hmm. Like yin and yang, dark and light, duality, binary. And in Zoroastrianism, there were some really solid Baz reliefs that depicted these figures. I found more of, of the good one, of Ohura Mazda. I couldn't really find any of Angra Manu. There tends to be these depictions in Bas Relief of Ahura Mazda, typically with like emperors or people of power, and there's kind of an exchange. So suggesting that certain people have connections to this good like spirit, I guess, sure. for lack of a better word. So ultimately, we have one of the earliest, earliest religions, essentially, spiritual systems, already dealing with this idea of the evil twin, essentially, uh -huh. you know? And then there was also the ancient Egyptian concept of Ka, which was a actual tangible spirit double that had the same memories and feelings as a person. Yeah. And there's actually an Egyptian myth called the Greek princess... Mm -hmm. which is an Egyptian take on the Trojan War. And a caw of Helen was used to mislead Paris of Troy, helping to stop the war. That's not too nefarious. Yeah, that's like, that's some good work, I but feel that like. that was ancient Egypt before we had time to really twist the folklore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So these are our really early references when it's not a necessarily particularly nefarious or it... it it almost is a necessity, right? Like when you think about the Zorianastrianism example, it's the balance of good and evil. Mm -hmm. So even though one of them represents evil, there's, there's a balance that happens there and it's a ne necessity of life. As we move forward, we also have the myth of Narcissus. Mm -hmm. uh, Narcissus falls in love with his reflection, 
So this can be read as kind of a doppelganger moment, right? You've got Narcissus, then you've got Narcissus's reflection, which is a different entity. And this is an example where Narcissus meets his demise from it. There's yes. Like two where what he he there's like two versions, right? That I found that that he stares at his reflection long enough that he just wastes away and dies. And then the other one where he actually drowns in the pool that he sees his reflection. We're getting away from the Ka, just the, the spirit double, but it, now it's getting more into a seeing your other is a bad omen. Yeah, and it, it leading to demise, to, to death. I'll touch on this briefly, but I think you're probably going to talk about it a little bit more. The doppelganger can also be related to like the concept of the changeling. Oh yeah. And the changeling has also been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of mythology surrounding that. For example, we've got Norse folklore that describes entities known as the, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Vardiger. Vardiger. <laughs> there are many pronunciations, but but that is that's what I found is the common U.S. pronunciation. Nice, nice. Ghostly beings that preceded, preceded their living counterparts, taking places at various activities and performing their actions in advance. Yeah, so it's like an opposite of uh, a deja vu, where you're like, I've been here before. Uh-huh. The Vardiger is like a... It's like your double that arrives and does what you were about to do before you. So other people recall like, hey, oh. you were you were just here. You you've already filled up your tank of gas. What are you doing here? Like, that's that's really you interesting. Know, you saw a Vardiger. Yeah. And then we've also got coming to us from the Orkney Islands of Scotland. This is more the changeling where we're talking about fairy-like creatures. Love them. Big fan. So fairy-like creatures called trows. Trows would give birth to children who were apt to be sickly, and pregnant women were typically guarded from trows who would steal healthy human babies and replace them with their own children, changelings. Which would lead to a lot of uh, mothers claiming, this is not my baby, which many people would say, oh, the mother has... The mother is uh, mm-hmm. not well. She is not seeing she is a danger to her child because she does not care for her because she believes it is not her child. It is all like you touched on it too. This was also always connected with there was if there was a disability or a some sort of disease that the baby had that would come to the belief that no, this couldn't be my child. This is a changeling. My child would not be this sick. Yeah, totally. And there's actually a really good episode of Lore. I oh mean, yeah, yeah. The- L- Lore's a podcast, but it's also there's an Amazon series. Yes. Um, and there's this great episode. It's actually probably my favorite where. Lore tells the story of a very uh, controlling man who doesn't like that his wife is is being independent and she's becoming this this dressmaker and she's kind of doing her own thing and he's like who is this woman she's not my wife and basically accuses her of being a changeling and uh, a lot of really bad stuff ensues from that. This is a real story, by the way. This actually happened in history. And he basically, you know, tries to, I don't know, like exercise her in yeah. some very violent ways. And uh, eventually she just admits to it all being true. And that now his loving wife is back to try and save herself Anyways, watch it. Watch Lore on Amazon. So that's an example of it not even being a baby. It was a full-grown, independent woman that was accused of being... A changeling. A changeling. Mm -hmm. um, An evil version of herself. Like, the fairies must have switched out his good 
natured wife with this uh, this independent back talking woman. Obviously, those trickster fairies, though, they were up to a lot of no good. They really were. <laughs> so obviously, we just we have a lot of mythological basis for the concept of the doppelganger that goes in a lot of different directions. Likewise, there are a lot of Native American creation myths that deal with the concept of dualistic twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this this idea of the twin and having two sides is is really where it starts. And then it develops into something a little bit more specific and spiritual. And then throughout horror, we kind of have a re-adaptation oh, yeah. of the evil twin. Oh, also, just one really good artistic portrayal of the the doppelganger, I think in the spiritual sense, is Dante Gabriel Rossetti's 1851 sketch, and he also did an 1864 watercolor called How They Met Themselves. Mm-hmm. And this is a really cool image because it's an image of two medieval lovers, and they're, of course... On a walk through the woods at twilight, a very spooky setting, a very spooky time. And they encounter ghostly doubles of themselves. They're uh, in the image. They're actually glowing supernaturally. And the, the gentleman, the medieval gentleman, he pulls out his sword to fight the doppelgangers. On guard. On guard. I like the watercolor version of this too. It's a hard, they're they're both the same thing, but they, um, I like the colors he uses. Yeah. I mean, Dante Gabriel Rossetti uses amazing color palettes. So good on you, Dante. (laughs) That checks, that checks out. So maybe we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and I'll pass it over to you, Brian, to talk horror. We have returned. We are talking about what we're talking about? Talking about doppelgangers. Doppelgangers. All right, so Brian, being our resident horror buff, what do you got for us? So I'd love to just shift the conversation real quick. Just take a quick little... Take this exit real quick and and stop at this rest stop to talk about this idea of the uncanny. Because yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Because this really ties into, I think, why is it scary seeing your double? Uh, I would love to talk about it more than anything. <laughs> um, so the uncanny, if we go back just to the origin of what it is, basically the word uncanny, the thought comes from Freud. And he talks about uh, the word uncanny basically translates from German from unheimlich, which means unhomely. And, and the idea of uncanny is when the unhomely collapses into the homely. So the, the familiar suddenly becomes unfamiliar. There. And that is a very unsettling thing. That is a very oh, yes. existential thing that I feel like is evident throughout all horror is the baseline of it. Nothing is as it seems. Nothing is as it seems. And you've seen this. This is evidence in any horror movie, any horror story, anything where, where a character suddenly goes, wait, I thought I locked that door. Wait, I thought, mm-hmm. was that a noise behind me? Where suddenly you have this existential doubt where uh, all of the, the rules that you had accepted as sound are suddenly not applicable. And so going off of that, the uncanny is... Like I said, this existential dread that comes from 
hold on, that's not quite right. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, have you ever seen a horror movie where the character goes, is trying to explain the craziness that's happening to another character, and they always start off with going, I know this sounds crazy, because it is. You're, you're, the rules of your world have suddenly shifted to mean something else. And so building off of that, I want to move on to the double, which is another term in kind of horror language where your uncanny fear is placed in a version, an unfamiliar version of what you perceive as yourself. So this plays off of the idea of individuality, where you look at yourself as a one person. I am individual. I am unique. I am me. And you see a reflection, an evil mirror of yourself in something else. And suddenly that individuality is shattered. And that is very uncomfortable to happen. This really started happening a lot. It's been happening throughout history. I think this idea, this existential fear of the doubling, but it became very mainstream post-World War One, where we would see fields and fields of bodies in war. And suddenly this idea became harder and harder to look at all of these bodies on the fields and look at them and divorce them from looking at yourself, that we hold our bodies to being this this holy temple of this spirit that will then transcend to the next life. It's hard to really hold on to that when you're seeing evidence of not that Mm -hmm. around you constantly. And so that was where I believe that really started the the movement in Europe with like Nosferatu, with waxwork, that this fear of seeing an unholy version of yourself mirrored and looking right back at you is very unsettling. If you'd like to learn more about this, there's a great book uh, by Scott Poole called Wasteland, but I've learned a lot about this. And I think it's really beautiful. It talks about, you know, the origins of the monsters, like universal monsters, and looking that as like a, a scary doubling of yourself. So that brings us now back to Doppelganger, this doubling, this looking at yourself and saying, hold on, that's not, that's not quite right. Hang on, let me, let me catch up real quick to myself. While you catch up, I just realized that it's Brian and Corey's spooky corner being recorded in a very cozy corner. (laughs) That's true. This has become very literal. We are actually in a corner right now. (laughs) Absolutely. So bringing it back, talking about the uncanny and the doubling and bringing it back to doppelgangers. This is seen a lot throughout, I guess I'll just go right into examples in literature, Mm -hmm. examples in film. It's a lot in literature. I mean, it started there with the term doppelganger from the German author in 1796. It's been used as this literary device really exploring human duality and how these paradoxical ideas can exist within the same person. How can a person be good and at the same time hold these really evil characteristics and i think that has a lot of base in the mythology like in the duality of man if you will exactly and that's how it's in literature it's been used in novels like hans christian anderson's novel the shadow where it talks about this man who sees his shadow playing out opposite physical and moral traits and eventually the shadow takes over the man himself we're talking about doppelgangers and literary devices we're also going to be talking about obviously like dorian gray Mm -hmm. and seeing in the painting of of his action suddenly taking a new form in this painting of himself and as his evil version of himself is becoming this evil double of him this is an example in jacqueline hyde strange case of jacqueline hyde which that one really explores more so like a public virtue versus a private vice duality. Your public version of yourself may be one way, but at home, Mm -hmm. you can be a very different thing. 
Is that's that- like your uh, shouts out astrology. That's like your sun and moon sign versus your rising sign. <laughs> yeah, a little bit there. And it's also, especially in the case of Jacqueline Hyde, that one explored more of like repressed sexual desires mm, taking control. Of course, of um, course. Which uh, is a very, I guess, scary thing. I um, also, someone told me recently, I can't remember who, I don't know how legitimate this is, but that with Jekyll and Hyde, the duality, like the, I guess, more evil side of it was based on someone like doing a lot of cocaine. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like someone being really uh, messed up on cocaine, basically. Which would was, be a, a, another version of it's exactly, still them, but exactly. it's a different version of them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That was told to me like offhandedly. So I don't know how true that is, but might be. Look it up. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> Do the work. There's also <laughs> in Edgar Allan Poe's William Wilson, it's a doppelganger that tells about this boy person growing up and there was a, basically a person looked just like him that seemed to exist just to just drive him nuts, just to, to be this burden on him throughout his life. So shout out to Poe. We always got to fit him in in a spooky podcast. Of course. It's seen throughout literature. I think it's also seen, we're going to see in film a lot too, And that's why I wanted to bring up the uncanny and the doubling, because it plays off the same idea, the same fear that comes with the doppelganger. But the example of the doppelganger is a very narrow concept where like it's tendrils, I think, reach out to a lot of different ways. We'll talk about that, especially in in film. Like if we look at things like split personality as a form of the double in film. So we think of things like Norman Bates in Psycho and how he will, you know, spoiler if you haven't seen Psycho, but he (laughs) (laughs) he dresses as his deceased mother and and carries out all the murders in the hotel. So he is an innocent, shy boy by day, murderous mother by night. Of course. um, There, if you look at... Fight Club uh, with Tyler Durden, Ooh. the split personality again. I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. a good one. And 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 the the frustration that Edward Norton has throughout that movie. There's this other version of himself that is living the life that he wishes he could live, but he himself is not. And even in Black Swan, yes, Darren yes, Aronofsky, yes, yes. there's this perfect version of herself that she's aspiring to be. And there's that really really scary, uncomfortable psychosexual scene where. She and Myla Kunis are in this love scene, and then she sees a mirror of herself doing it to herself, mm-hmm. and it's this, there are layers there. But That movie's so good. Black Swan. Big fan. Big, um, big fan. And that, so that's that idea of split personality. There's also the actual doubling, and these are, are less scary, but it's still in the mainstream. There's like the prestige. Ah, uh, yes. That, I watched that not too long ago. That ending is great. Yeah. And I think it touches on the realm of horror a bit. Mm-hmm. That, that, oh, totally. That reveal is very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, and the implications behind it are horrible. Yeah, they uh, are. <laughs> um, there's movies like the Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator. That's a doppelganger, the two living off same one life. There is Moon. Have you ever seen Moon? I haven't. Oh, it's cool. It's great. I think it's on Netflix again. Check it out. I don't want to spoil, spoil Moon if anyone hasn't seen it. It's more contemporary and it's a fantastic film. Um, We're all going to watch Moon. Watch Moon. In theaters now, Gemini Man from yeah. Ang Lee. <laughs> yeah, shouts out astrology again. Like, <laughs> um, Gemini is I, the perfect incarnation. The duality, yeah. And I thought of this before we did the podcast, but I think this is a really unsettling version of the, the doppelganger, the duality, and the existential crisis of seeing like a double. If we remember Toy Story, <gasps> when Buzz Lightyear figures out that he is a toy <laughs> and he has that moment in the sea of the Toy Store of seeing versions of himself. Just think of that movie. Like, 
And that is such a good... Oh, man. Way to go, Brian. That yeah. is a good one to bring in. Oh, I love that Toy so Story. much. Because then he, then he goes nuts, and he has the classic, I'm Mrs. Nesbitt moment. Yeah, because he doesn't, because his, his, what everything he held so true mm-hmm. is suddenly out the window. Shattered. His entire worldview is shattered. Which is terrifying. And so when you talk about why is it so scary seeing yourself, because... One, there's a lot of things happening when you see yourself. One, your individuality, yourself, is suddenly shattered. Mm-hmm. You are no longer yourself. Yourself is someone else, too. And that mm-hmm. is a scary thought. You yeah. don't have control over yourself. There's the two, that your worldview, the world rules that help you go throughout your daily life, if they're suddenly out the window, it's very uncomfortable to reconcile with yeah, that. Yeah, that just kind of another offshoot made me think about just in our contemporary world, the idea of catfishing. Oh, yeah? Like, I've I've had many conversations because I love the show Catfish. Like, <laughs> I, I watch it way too often. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had many conversations about the idea of, like, obviously being catfish sucks real bad. Yeah. But also imagine someone... Being a catfish using your shit, using your images, you know, using your name. Yes. Like someone creating a profile as you. That sucks. Yeah. Like that 100%. is a very uncomfortable thing. And, and it's, it's an element of the catfish scenario that I think is not focused on quite as much. Yeah. Is someone, yeah, taking on your identity to do what they will with it. I think that's a very almost contemporary version of what you were just talking about. And that's a real problem, especially in like Tinder and dating yeah, apps. Where yeah, people yeah. will take your likeness and, and put it out there for other people to... And gosh, that that would be unsettling. I, I've never oh, been on yeah. a dating app and I finding mean, myself that I could, you know, poke right? or swipe right on, you know, like, <laughs> right? yikes. Oh my God, <laughs> that um, would be so uncomfortable. Which, this is a great transition to another movie that I saw last year. It came out on Netflix last year, if you haven't seen. It's called Cam. It explores the doppelganger through the lens of a life of a, a cam girl, the, oh. a cam performer. Yeah, so that connects us perfectly, I feel like, yeah. internet age. 100%. In that movie, there is a doppelganger, a double of herself that is playing out on her channel, on her site, mm. her cam, while she is not there. And the double is much more successful and getting much more oh. clicks and much more views. And it touches on, there's, there's a line earlier on in the movie where she the struggling of like, how do, what do I have to do to be the best at this? And then you see this scary commentary on the entertainment industry of what it does take to be the best. Mm-hmm. And it's this inhuman, like scary thing. Mm-hmm. It's a really good movie. And it's actually a really compelling look into the cam industry. Um, I bet. Yeah. Written in by an actual former camera. Oh, well that's, yeah. yeah. Cause that's actually, as you were saying that I was like, I hope though that it's not like a voyeuristic perspective. I, I like that it's by someone who actually has been a part of it. Yeah, and definitely. It's a very interesting movie. I highly recommend it. It's still on Netflix, I believe. Things don't leave Netflix, right? Oh, they do. The originals, though? <laughs> oh, no, not yeah. the originals, okay. no. <laughs> and, of course, if we're talking about film and doppelgangers, we can't miss last year's no, not last year's. This year's. This year's huge hit, Us. Jordan Peele's Us. Oh. Big fan. I say big fan a lot, but this one was very good. Looking at it through the doppelganger, this one's taking that doubling and the, the existential crisis and looking at it through a lot of different lenses, but what one of them being the national crisis 
that I think we're in right now, the identity crisis. Oh of, yeah. There is a line very, very early in the movie where they, they, they meet their double of the family and they're horrified and they're like, who are you? And the first line uh, Lupita says back is we're Americans. And that, I, I just, I can't believe that wasn't used in the trailer. <laughs> That's brilliant. It, it's so, it's such a chilling line of like, we're, we're you, this is it, you know? Uh, and obviously there are more and layers also, of things happening in the story, but. And yeah. also the impetus to define yourself, like, you know, national identity, yeah. like to define yourself as an American, like that's really interesting. And that's been a very common thing in obviously politics nowadays. There's this huge divide, you know, between oh, two yeah. parties and it's becoming harder and harder to see yourself in the other. And you're like, how can, how can we have come from the same place? You mm-hmm, know, there's mm-hmm. that fear of the doubling, not necessarily a doppelganger, but yeah, 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 yeah but that we are we're supposed to share an identity and we don't. Yeah. Exactly. Like the duality of identity. It's coming full circle. It's freaky. It's freaky. Freaky. I, oh, I guess going real, real quick back to books. This is actually going to be made into a movie for HBO later this year, but it was a book first. Stephen King's The Outsider touched on this last year. The book was published May of 2018. I was going to say it was most recent book, but he's released two books since then. <laughs> Man, <laughs> he's, he's, that guy is prolific gosh, as hell. You can't stop. But this book is super interesting and, and if you're looking for a really spooky doppelganger book this is incredible it all plays out of this small town man he's like a softball coach i believe and there is a brutal murder of a young boy done by a person that looks exactly like him they have multiple witnesses that saw him do it oh no um, and they that, that all his dna evidence oh. everything is on him but the, the thing is, he has a, like a stone-clad alibi. He was at this other place. So like, how could he have done this other thing? I don't want to spoil. It definitely goes into like Stephen King supernatural stuff. But especially like how, if that actually happened in society, huh. how, even though there's this inconsistency, you can't get around. There's this DNA evidence. Yeah. Like you just, like that ends up being the end-all be-all in a lot of cases. So it completely know? ruins this man, this family, this like town. It completely obliterates him. So The Outsider, you'll find it later on on HBO if you want to watch the movie instead starring a stacked cast. We got Ben Mendelsohn in there. We got, um, there's more. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the there's other more. names. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's what I've got for examples in film and literature. Man, that was great. I feel like we, we went on a real journey there. That was good. Thanks for following me. How about we take another break, and then we're going to come back and get real spooky and talk maybe some real-life doppelganger sightings. <laughs> we're back, we're back, we're back. Brian just tried to tried to and failed finding a, a what did you say a silver dollar sized bug giant bug and it's gone. <laughs> I got up to kill it or I let it free. One of the two. One of the two. I had, hadn't and decided. I was driven by anger, but sympathy <laughs> was taking over. Uh, but it was gone before I got there, which now brought me straight to fear. And now it lives with us. So. We'll let you know how that turns out. Spooky place. Spooky, spooky. Okay, so uh, just to to pull all this together to wrap things up, I thought it'd be fun to. There's a lot of real life doppelganger stories, and I don't there mean like are. meeting another human that looks like you. Uh-huh. I mean like ghost stories, <laughs> and there's been a lot of them throughout history. A lot of people have claimed in a ghostly capacity to have encountered 
their doppelganger. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of these people, including Catherine the Great... Oh, do you know the story behind that one? Do you want to talk about it? More than anything. So Catherine the Great, while she slept, there was a myth that her servants saw the doppelganger of her sitting on her throne while she was sleeping. Mm. She ordered that the doppelganger be basically killed, but it never was. And two weeks later, she died of a stroke. Omen or not? You tell me. I mean, it could have been an omen or this actually connects to a theory I have that I will bring up at the end of the episode. But maybe in killing the doppelganger or wanting to kill the doppelganger, she killed herself. Whoa. Whoa. But we can't ask her. We can't. It's not. Unless she's here. You hear, Catherine? You hear? We'll play back the tape and see if there's anything. (laughs) Some other doppelganger sightings. Percy Shelley. So that's uh, the Mary Shelley's. Beau, uh-huh. so just an infamously spooky person. Um, if you're talking about Mary Shelley too, Frankenstein is a form of the uncanny and the doubling as well. There is a lifeless body reanimated, and suddenly you're thinking, "Oh, hang on, what is life? <laughs> what is the body?" Connections on connections, yep. man. Queen Elizabeth the First, Maria de Jesus de Agreda. But the one I I want to focus on is a fun little anecdote. Abe Lincoln. Yeah. Uh-huh. Abe saw his doppelganger soon after he was elected. And his is, I think, particularly interesting because according to the story, he looked in a mirror mm-hmm. and he saw himself, but he had two faces. Mm-hmm. And one of the faces was pale and sickly. Uh-oh. Yeah. And Mary Todd Lincoln she did not think this was a chill thing. She did not think this was a good thing to be seeing. And she was convinced that it was a bad omen. Yep. Particularly, she was convinced that he wasn't going to make it through his second term in office. And history showed us. We know what happened. I won't spoil it if you don't know yet. But <laughs> you probably should. <laughs> But if you don't know yet, you need to look that up immediately. And also, your high school history classes failed you. (laughs) Miserably. (laughs) Or you should watch the Drunk History episode, because that's one of my favorite Drunk History episodes. It's a pretty good one. With uh, Adam Scott. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. Also, Lincoln is a great movie. We saw Lincoln together. Did we? In theaters. Oh, we did. Because I thought it should have ended somewhere different. I remember we had a debate. And I thought it was supposed; it should have ended sooner than it did. And you saw it otherwise. I am going to be honest. I don't remember. Of course you don't. No. <laughs> you also don't remember that we saw Alt-J together. <laughs> I remember seeing Alt-J. <laughs> you got you to gotta... we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that is a real-life doppelganger sighting. There have been lots of them. What is actually happening Well, scientists have surmised that uh, it could be an electrical glitch in the brain, Mm -hmm. which, you know, that's a very vague thing, electrical glitches in the brain, or a sign of mental illness, such as schizophrenia, which does, you know, check out because schizophrenia often involves hallucinations. Yep. So there's something there. But I have a theory. Do tell. In when we first decided to do this episode, immediately I went to look up like doppelganger ghost stories, you mm-hmm. know, doppelganger sightings. And what if this kind of 
is a different approach to the nefarious doppelganger. What if our doppelganger is really just like our higher self? Mm. Like an image of our higher self? Because it's pretty common to, you know, seek wisdom from your higher self or Uh think of your higher self in some way or think of your higher self as protecting you. Yeah. And what if it's just energetic incarnation of your higher self? Hmm. I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea of your doppelganger being a good dude. Yeah, and that's a yeah, that's a positive one. Unless you maybe unless you're a really bad dude. Yeah, unless you took a route in life that maybe that your Dorian Gray picture is actually like really beautiful. You gotta like, <laughs> like really examine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I guess maybe maybe the doppel- doppelganger's higher self could be positive or negative. Yeah, depending on the path you've chosen. But I think it could also be. A guiding force, a guiding spirit, a spirit Mm -hmm. guide, if you will. There's a lot I found in the research for the doppelganger on this great article about this topic on Atlas Obscura. And there's a line in the article where they say that, you know, talking about our our spirits being another version of ourselves and, and talking about how our Ka will walk around and how... Especially in the instances of late in life, this happens a lot when they're ill or, or sick. Sometimes we'll see that the doppelganger and we'll think that, oh, it's an omen, that death is coming. There's another interpretation that, that there's a belief that when our body can no longer hold on so tightly, our spirits are free to wander. Yeah! I love that. So when you're late... I love that. Yeah. So, so that I, might be something. I love that. Because, yeah, that's... I personally really like the idea of... You know, your body your body just can't last forever and eventually it gives out for any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I I like the idea of a death as as we talked about yesterday. I like the idea of death as a release mm-hmm. as like you're releasing yourself onto the into the next adventure. So I like that concept of or I like the concept of it being a prolonged experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like of like, it's not just like one big moment. It's like gradually your spirit's getting uh, used to the idea of being separate from your body. That's why we loved ghost stories as a human culture. Because mm-hmm. it is, even though that's scary to see, it is a proof that there's something after. Exactly. Yeah. It's comforting. Yeah. It's, it's also it's, uncanny. It's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. <laughs> yep. It's like, oh, I did that. Oof, it's not. And actually, I forgot to mention this. I'm talking about a lot of horror movies that use the uncanny, meaning unhomely meets the homely. Mm-hmm. A haunted house is a literal version of the uncanny. It is. Ah, home. Mm-hmm. That oh, is, man. Uh, well, <laughs> a, a friendly and welcoming home suddenly meets a sinister and unwelcome place. That's brilliant. God damn, that's good. I know. I know. But bring it back to the medical. There's actually a term for it. I'm going to butcher the, the pronunciation, but hutoscopy? Hotoscopy? Yeah, maybe hotoscopy. I think that's, yeah. I think, but it is it is a medical term of in neurological circles of an out-of-body experience when one hallucinates seeing their double from afar. And you mentioned that it's it's attributed to schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super interesting. And what's interesting about all that, what I love is like, you know, we're over here kind of speculating wildly with our more like spiritual ideas. Mm-hmm. And that and the scientific approaches to it, they don't have to be, it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're having electrical glitches in your brain, like that can also be a spiritual experience you know like there can be a crossover yep. of realms of 
more mystical, esoteric things. And it can also, there can be scientific lingo to explain it. Yeah. And I think that's neat. That's pretty neat. I like that you look at the positive in it because I come from a place of like <laughs> dwelling in the uncanny. Like, oh no, I don't see this as like a release. I see this as I don't know what's next. And that's, un- that's uncomfortable. It definitely is. That's why I'm an absurdist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, this was a fun episode. I think this might be my favorite of the Spooky Corner episodes so far. I liked... I liked all the directions we got to go with this one. Doppelgangers, yeah. Doppelgangers. Hope you enjoyed it. And um, we got one more Spooky Corner episode. Sure do. What is it going to be on? You tell me. You forgot? (laughs) I think I remember. It's it's zombies, yeah? Yeah, zombies. So we're just going to take a really easy one. Um, yeah, yeah. We're where gonna... uh, uh, there's not a lot of material. You don't. It, it's probably I haven't even heard the term zombie before. <laughs> um, so I think we could probably bang this one out next week in uh, about ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. There's very little on zombies out there. <laughs> so mark out three hours of your, your schedule for next time because we're, we're we're gonna home run for the last fourth episode. Yeah, definitely. Also. As we teased in the beginning, we're in Salem, Massachusetts, and we're here for Salem Horror Fest. Salem does it up in October, and so we are we're doing some horror fest activities. We're gonna see the Blair Witch Project tonight, yes, which I'm are. unbelievably excited about. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back possessed, you guys. We're also gonna hit some like witch museums, do all that. We've been bopping around the town, and we'll have a YouTube vlog all about that. I think we might also record a like a decompression episode telling you all about our adventures in Salem, Massachusetts, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. So yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Happy spooky season, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Unless she's here. You hear, Catherine? We'll play back the tape and see if there's anything. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.